0: Welcome to Spirited Reads,
1: a podcast about the books we read, the books we want to read, and the way our lives are shaped by reading.
0: We're your host, Madeline and Robert, and we want you to
1: love what you read and
0: read what you love. Greetings and drinkings.
1: I I, can't I totally forgot to say that. hi back, so let's try again. <laughs> okay.
0: Greetings and drinkings. Indeed. <laughs> it didn't rhyme. It well, right. we don't
1: always have time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, because it's Poetry Month, and we're going to try it. We're going we're gonna to try to rhyme every... No, we're not. We're not. We are not did not
0: know it. The whole episode's in I Am a Pentameter, and you just don't know.
1: No. There was too... I, I tried to rhyme like all <laughs> the ends of your little phrases, and I, I just got there lost. too many
0: of them. Yes, too
1: there are. Words. So, what are you drinking, Madeline?
0: I'm drinking the classic. The, the, (laughs) the champion, the best drink in my opinion.
1: Do you know what's in your glass?
0: (laughs) 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 I am drinking a gin and tonic. G and T. G and T, baby G and T. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For those of you that don't know me, I love a good G and T. I'm drinking this with Rieger's.
1: Rieger's Midwestern gin. Yeah. Made here in Kansas City
0: midwest
1: well it's made here in town yeah <laughs> we're, i've learned we're not we're not necessarily the midwest but i kind of like this we're the heartland
0: that's fake news oh yeah the heartland yeah yeah, oh, yeah i like the heartland that, that cool great
1: plains heartland i like heartland yeah. a lot yeah midwest i, I never it's like michigan remember, and minnesota
0: i don't know if you were in Kansas city at this time oh how long have you been in Kansas city
1: this the second time since 2010
0: Oh, okay. So probably you remember when they did the cows that everyone painted? They were all over the place. That was
1: back before I got. Married. Yeah, that was when Amy and I were okay, dating. Okay, so yes. now
0: they're doing the hearts. Have you seen those hearts all over?
1: I have seen some of them. Yeah, no, I remember those. That was when I was very first coming to Kansas City. It was mm. when the cows were showing up everywhere. Yeah,
0: well, they did these giant yeah. hearts that say KC because of the Heartland, and they yeah. got local artists and they're super cool.
1: I didn't know there was a series of those. I'm, I've seen yes. like one or two. I didn't I know think it they was
0: picked like a hundred and something. That's awesome. Something, maybe. I
1: enjoyed the cows. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, because I finally cool, got out of too. my 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 one horse Dallas town and got up here where there's culture it that's Dallas. no offense to anybody from Dallas. i am just not oh, a fan.
0: we're boycotted in Dallas uh... <laughs> our
1: Dallas market just suffered, so, yeah, okay, yeah, so are you I am going for to celebrate poetry month the the deep philosophical drinks of the poets. I am drinking some e h Taylor ten year small batch bourbon. It's fancy, it's schmancy. It's hard to get over here in Kansas, but I, fortunately, I guess we could say in the restaurant business, have a hookup. So, so I, I have I have connections. So I, I was I able know. to get a couple things. Actually, one I won from a raffle. Yeah, when when Casey Wine Spirits did their end of the year fancy things, they had left over. When you could go in and put your name down, and I got picked.
0: Did you put your name down a hundred times?
1: No, one, but. I, the list. Did you write it really big. No, they had a very limited sign in window because I think okay. they were trying to like make sure people got stuff, and I was able to fortunately get so in when they had at what Casey I wanted.
0: Weinspear was like, hey, Robert. Wait. Oh, he did. He we're reminded me. Up. He reminded wait,
1: me wait. every like every time I saw him for three weeks. He's like, are you coming to put your name down? And I, went, I am. And From I was this just limited yeah. Limited
0: window called Robert O'clock. Yeah, it's cool.
1: They sent an email to me with what was still available, and uh, I got to look it over and decide what I wanted. And I just wanted I already had an E.H. Taylor, but now I have a backup so i could feel like a poet and drink something fancy even though I guess if i was a poet i'd drink something cheap cuz you're penniless it would be bad for you. yeah but i'm philosophical and celebratory right now so that's what we're drinking boy that really came together um
0: <laughs> all right
1: what are you reading madeline
0: well i am listening to an audiobook cuz that's what you do with audiobooks you listen to it <laughs> Just looking at
1: the cover picture on Audible.
0: (laughs) Um, I am listening to A a Secret History by Donna Tartt, which, did you read The Goldfinch? That's one of my favorites. No,
1: I, that was back before we even started doing this business stuff. I just remember you would read The Goldfinch at work.
0: Yeah, because it's massive. Yeah. And I was like, guys, I made it two pages. Yeah, Yeah, so I love Donna Tartt's writing style, Mm. but it is, she hefty.
1: I feel like you had a, like a, I feel like you had like an up and down relationship with that book. Because I yes. remember there were times when you're like, this book's amazing. It's like, okay, I should read it. And later you're like, Ugh. This book had and 17, then you're 17
0: back... pages describing a door. Yeah.
1: So I just remember that was kind of a roller coaster.
0: No, but it was good. I would yeah. absolutely suggest it. I'll probably reread it. But I'm listening to The Secret History, which is one that it's like much to my mom's chagrin that I'm listening to it because she really feels like I need to read it. But but you read it? No. I read The Gold Oh, Finch. you read The Goldfinch. Okay. I'm listening Sorry. to The Secret History. Right.
1: That's what happens with those drinkings. Get to you.
0: (laughs) Too many drinkings. I like reserve audiobooks for silly fast listens because I'm putting it on when I'm doing like mindless paperwork at the cafe or dishes or whatever. So I need something fairly simple. This one I've been listening to while I'm driving or going on walks when I need to focus my brain a little bit more. So I'm only like six percent in. It's it's a hefty listen. It's about twenty two hours and it is. So far, it is about a school, an elite school, where there's a small group of students that have a professor that only takes five students a year. And this boy is on financial aid, and he joins the school, and he wants to study Greek under him, and gets accepted. And there's secret society stuff. Ooh. So far, again, I'm only six percent in. There seems like it's just like a lot of snobby. Rich people. Is so. Is this stuff. one?
1: Is this one as long as Goldfinch? Did it's you say that already? Yeah, okay. it's
0: twenty-two hours. So I'm assuming it's at least six hundred pages, yeah. if not more.
1: I can tell you if I remember correctly. The *Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell* audiobook is, I think, forty-six. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's really good, though. I'm enjoying it. It's uh, going to be a slow listen. I'm going to allow myself some grace to not finish this book in a week. Sure. And just take my time. Do you um, Do
1: you listen at accelerated speed?
0: I do. I put this one at one point. Five, so Donna Tart reads it. Uh huh. Um, so the author reads it, she's an older woman, which makes it good at some points. I'm understanding what she wanted more than if like a random actor was reading it, but there are some inherent noise triggering things that I have, you know, like yes, so just that an older woman or older people do, you know. So I'm um, the accelerated speed kind of helps push past some of the voice issues that I have, but. The accelerated speed at a book this dense can get a little difficult, so I, we're, we're working through it, <laughs> but it's really good. I like it. Cool. Uh, what about you? What are you? Um.
1: Creating? So I started a couple of books at the end of 2021, kind of got away from them to read some stuff and get ready, kind of prepped for, for this, and so I and now I kind of went back around. So I went back and I finished The Godfather. I was about halfway through that. And
0: that's your second read, right?
1: Oh, it's like my fifth or sixth.
0: That's so impressive. I, yeah. don't, I don't think I've ever re- reread it. That's
1: the book I that it because yeah, I've I, it's been around with me since high school. So I went back and finished that mm-hmm. because as good as the book is, it it has some spots that's easy to just wander away.
0: Do they are they pertinent to the plot?
1: They're pertinent to the point of the story. Hmm. I know I have I have mixed feelings. I can whenever we get whenever we get to that episode where we talk about movie adaptations and things like mm-hmm. that, I'll have more more to talk about. But it was just there's a, there's a piece of the Godfather that's easy for me to find myself wandering.
0: So I went back, finished it. Do you ever, when you reread, just skip those parts, like skip to the gooder, good or good good parts? Skip
1: to the good parts. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, that's what I was.
1: <laughs> not really, not often. Mm, okay. Um, I'm trying to think if I have
0: because I'm not a huge rereader, but I know a lot of people. That I follow and/or talk with books or about online with uh, about books that they will do that they'll skip to their favorite scenes and then they no reread no mm-hmm.
1: no okay. I don't do that
0: maybe we should talk about how we reread books because I don't but uh
1: yeah so that that was that was that and additionally I also had been reading just sort of in a fit of wanting to I guess be sad okay. I had started rereading Blunt Dove my guess, um, which you got me for Christmas. Yes, which is very long. and so, so
0: I tried that audiobook, couldn't do it.
1: Oh, you didn't like him?
0: Okay, so I started it at the cafe while I was doing dishes, Yeah, and my mind was watering. You got to
1: speed him up a little bit.
0: No, I did that. Yeah. I think that I need to get into that book, start it when I'm really focused, and yeah. it was not focused. So I'll try it again, but I, wa- I think I want to read that one and not listen.
1: And I will say with that one, after you read it, you really need to set the time aside and watch the movie. Okay. It was a mini series, but... It's Robert Duvall and Tommy Lee Jones and it's and Danny okay. Glover and the cast is insane. Chris Cooper and all these good people. Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Anyway, so I again had gotten a ways into it. If you're familiar with Lonesome Dove, I got to the point where they're at the Colorado River. Stuff happens. And then he's a
0: dove and he's lonesome.
1: Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, I got into it. And then there was a point in which because I love the guy that reads it on Audible. And, and I, I was—I
0: I, shouldn't—I I, no knock on him. I liked him. I yeah. just was not focused enough.
1: True. Well, it's there's a lot. And it's, it's one of like, those things where you have to absorb a whole lot of stories all at once. Because there's like, because yeah. when it starts, it's all it's the Hat Creek outfit coming back together. So yeah. there's two main characters, four secondary, three tertiary, yeah. and they all join up and then they do their thing.
0: And westerns are not common for yeah.
1: me. But I had gotten about a little over halfway through it, and then I jumped over, read some other stuff, and I think it was because I was coming off of a couple of like comics and things like that. Oh, I'd finished a Harry Potter book since Mm -hmm. you know you're going through this. I deleted it and marked it as finished and then Lunsadov popped back up to the top and I went, Oh, hey buddy. Mm -hmm. And so I got back into that and finished that off. Which is just yeah, which just makes you have all the feelings. Yeah. So those are my two main things. Um and then also still reading some of the stuff from last time, just finishing some stuff up.
0: Right. How many books do you want to read in twenty twenty two?
1: My Goodreads goal is hundred. Okay. I'm at I'm in the teens. I'm ahead of schedule. Nice, but that's also because I abandoned a couple. But I am willing to go back and try them again. It wasn't that that they weren't. Well, they weren't working for me at the time, and it yeah. was just not so much. So I, I had a couple I abandoned them. I kind of did what you did. and I was like, I'm gonna mark it as I tried. So I'm gonna complete it for now. And
0: yeah, if I'm more than like sixty percent of the way through, and I can look up the plot and understand what happened. Oh, well, I, I wasn't that far. Okay. but but I that's was like,
1: I, I was notice. like, I just I'll come back around. One of them I will probably go back to it towards maybe summertime. Mm-hmm. One of them, I actually both could be summertime things. They just weren't for now. My yeah. brain needs to be pretty calm for like the fisherman. Yeah. My brain needs to chill back out. It's not one for when there's a lot going on.
0: Yep, I get that.
1: So I finished up the Godfather. Finished up on some Dove and and um, finishing some of the stuff from last time. Finishing the Sparrow. Finishing a couple other books. Nice. I need to get some. Got my got my comics. I'm going to start working through some some of those. Um, any trips to the bookstore or library?
0: Mm, not the bookstore yeah still kind of on a book buying ban sure um but i love the lenexa public library yeah and the city center if you're from kansas lenexa recently updated the their city center and moved it into a new development and they have a public market and a library and lots of local makers and local shops and the library there has just awesome seating and awesome views big open bright quiet and i like to go there a lot to read um because sometimes if i'm home on a day off and i'm reading i have all of the obsession about all the things i could be doing like cleaning my house or working for the cafe or whatever so and then i'll get into playing with your dog yeah he even gets sad when i get sad sometimes i play with your dog (laughs) yeah so sometimes it's nice to change up my location so mm-hmm. to focus on my reading a little bit. So that is one I really like, the next to Library. Yep.
1: I am a fan of that same location. I really like it when the weather's nice enough for them to open up that big balcony. Yeah. That's up over the street and yeah. light that fireplace. I was there last week because my son needed to get some homework done. And the public school VPN thing is really weird when you're using like home internet. Mm. But I, I don't know if it has to do with... The public school and the city municipal thing all kind of being shared. Anyway, we went to the library because he just gets a faster connection with his school laptop. The library's got a lot of cool stuff. I went over, because this is, you know, our poetry episode, I went over to their little section of books and just grabbed and read a few things from a few different anthologies. And it was fun. Like, I just grabbed three or four things. And then I've always, because of, I don't know, libraries I went to back when I was a kid and whatnot, I always felt bad when I had my six books. And I was going over to the cart to surreptitiously mm-hmm. not put them, you know, to not take them home and make them yeah. put away. But whenever it's towards the end of the evening, they take all the carts and yeah. you have to walk up to them and you're like, I'm really sorry, here's my books. But the two that, the two folks working were, oh, cool, poetry. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we'll take care of those for you. I, I was it's, like, it's nice, like, guys.
0: At the cafe when people try to put games back and Roman's like, no, it's not in the right spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's how librarians are most of the time. It's like, yeah. Just let us put it back when we know it goes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I looked at some poetry books. I always like to just Walk by the, you know, the library, the faced out new stuff section. Yeah. Rarely grab anything from it, but I like it. Um, yeah. I did find there, it's a book called Russia Upside Down, and I'll find the author. It's the guy that created the Americans. Oh, nice. Um, and the guy that created the show was a CIA agent. And so he basically kind of I wrote his memoir. Yeah, it's on my to read, I think. And it's, uh, if you've read, if you've seen the Americans, the show, it's insane. It's Joseph one Weisberg, of. the Weisberg? Yes. Yeah um that yeah it's 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 one of the most well-produced shows i've ever watched um but he wrote on russia and the cold war so i am excited to look at that because i am a sucker for a cold war story fiction yep. or nonfiction. um for so, just something about the structure and procedure of government both the united states and the soviet union it just clicks with me.
0: If you have not seen on our social media or our website, we are reading The Declaration of the Rights of Magicians by H.G. Perry for our Book of the Month for April. It is an awesome historical fiction with a nice twist of magic in it, uh, some necromancers and vampires and such. So read along with us, and we'll be chatting about it in upcoming episodes.
1: Okay, so... Because it's National Poetry Month, which is a wonderful month, um, (laughs) let's talk about why poetry is important, why it matters. Why do we have a National Poetry Month? Yeah. And we can approach this conversation in an interesting way because while I did a lot of poetry study when I was doing my literature stuff um, in college – and even some when I was doing my graduate stuff with theater and whatnot, battling has you have not mm-hmm. looked at much.
0: No, I mean, I did some in school for sure, just because yeah. of my major and because it was required for most majors initially. But I, it's never really been something that I have gotten too far in and nor have I really enjoyed when I have okay. had to read it. So now that I'm reading it for enjoyment... It's taken me a while to get out of the uh, looking at this for school kind of thing. Yeah.
1: That mindset. Yeah. Like looking at your – Analyzing it of... for the sake
0: of analyzing it, which is like, yeah. But yeah. yeah, so I definitely am coming from this from a way different perspective than Robert because it is not my yeah, go-to. Yeah. It can be
1: really hard reading, you know, Ode to a Grecian Urn yeah. you know, over and over again. And yeah. That's not my style necessarily. But it also will be interesting because – Most of what I know is going to be very old up to sort of the 50s and 60s. And you started reading a lot more new stuff. I did. When we were getting ready. So that'll be interesting. So on the topic of National Poetry Month, let's talk about what it is real quick. Sure. I'm a big fan of giving lots of background whenever we make things important. But National Poetry Month has been around since 1996. It was launched by the American Academy of Poets, and it has become the largest literary celebration in the world. And I know when I was in high school and college, like it was a big, like we did stuff, like there were events mm-hmm. surrounding National Poetry Month. Um, and one of the other things I think is important is the Academy of American Poets, which is a member-supported organization that promotes the art of poetry was founded in in 1934 by a woman named Marie Bullock who stepped out, made it clear that poetry is an important art and was able to receive support from like-minded forward-thinking people. And as her vision was to support American poets at all stages of their careers and foster the appreciation of contemporary poetry, she very much put herself in what could have been considered a trivial and unimportant or made herself the patron of an unimportant cause, but fought for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you get in and start reading kind of about her, she did some, she's pretty fascinating. She was very much a believer in anyone and everyone having artistic potential. So I thought that was really cool. She believes in people.
0: And, And the access to the arts. Yes. Yeah. Which kind of goes into the, with National, National Poetry Month, they have poets.org, which we yep. talked about, how it's, they have the Poem a Day yep. series and the American Poets Magazine and readings and events and all the poetry resources yes. for K-12 through educators, which is actually where I started getting kind of into my poetry journey was through that, because yeah. I didn't know where to start. I was really overwhelmed. So that's yeah. a great resource. Read Social to- Silverstein. Yeah. Poets.org.
1: Um, and- ever since nineteen the 1930s um, with the found with the founding of the society um, the United States has always celebrated a poet laureate mm-hmm. um, who is a representative of that of this of the poetic arts for the country They're the spokesperson
0: mm-hmm. and how are they I, I don't know much about the po- poet laureate so I'm going to ask you some questions how are they selected
1: it's a selection it's the the national uh, the um, Academy of American Poets has a board, okay, and there is a there is a voting process where you take into account the person's body of work in poetry, their body of work even in prose, the way that they present themselves, their mission, their values. Um, it's almost like selecting, uh, like an educator, like a professor,
0: and it happens every year. So even though the one we're we're about to, our current poet laureate has been.
1: G- since Joy Harjo has been our Poet Laureate since 2019.
0: So it did happen every year. She's been selected every year since 2019? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
1: Neat. Yeah. And generally, it's not so much like a... It's not like a competitive... Right. Um, ...process. It's more of a, okay, so if she is continuing to enrich the art, she's likely to be asked to do it again unless she chooses to step down. I got it. Um, one of the very... Engaging things to me about Joy Harjo and what kind of immediately captured me about her is she's is our first Native American poet mm-hmm. laureate. Um, she is part of the Muskogee Creek Nation um, in Oklahoma and so a lot of her work there's a flavor of the, the plains you know where we live. Um, we on this podcast live right um, so uh, she has before really getting into Publishing poetry she's done she's written prose she's written um, a few memoirs about her life is a reservation um, dweller as a person dealing with the not very poetic life of a Native American on a reservation
0: and this is the only p- book that we really crossed this week is Joe Harjo's uh, American Sunrise yeah.
1: She has a bunch I had a bunch of them. I was on I went to the library and almost all of them were all checked out. Like yeah. I, I, I was having trouble finding one yeah. more of, but American Sunrise is wonderful. Like Yeah, well, it hurts.
0: well Yeah, we'll talk about that yeah. in a second. But we um I listened to it and you read it. Yep. Yeah, and it was it was excellent.
1: And it then so our bad. um and then as of 2017, mm-hmm. a name that we determined to be very important. Yeah, especially everyone with should the past couple beers, Amanda Gorman was the first National Youth Poet Laureate mm-hmm. in 2017, when she was 16, um, she wrote uh, a book called "The One For Whom Food Is Not Enough." Yep. And then her recent publication, "Call What We Carry," is the book "The Hill We Climb" is in that one. Yes. Right. I know because I know they did a bunch of standalone, like children's illustrated mm-hmm. books, "Hill We Climb," which she has read to nationally, internationally televised audiences, presidential election. Right. Um, and she's had a few other speaking engagements. And she has a magnetism and a charisma that is insane. Yeah. It's wonderful to watch. And I think she'll she'll probably end up being a poet lawyer when at some she's point. older, yeah. If she keeps pushing, yeah. And if she wants to. Yeah. But she is she has as a high schooler in Los Angeles, she started like a nonprofit society for inner city children to understand yeah. the poetic arts and things like that. Yeah. And that's kind of why we value this month because that's when we find out that this stuff is going on.
0: Right. Yeah, I um, I did start call us what we carry. It just, it, I just recently got it, and it's, it's excellent. It really. Did you
1: watch it when she, or have you watched it on um, like, when she when she presidential yeah, yeah,
0: the hill we climb. At the yes. Yeah, oh,
1: it was because so I good. didn't know. I didn't. Know, I mean, it was one of those things where I think I kind of came into it. My wife was watching it, and it was like I was like on the other side of the room, and I started yeah. listening, and I was like, what? And then I, yeah. I could watch it.
0: Yeah. No, she's. Excellent, and I think one of the things of note about both her and Harjo is that they perform their poets really, their poems really well. That's not always a thing. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that just as like an overarching statement, but from what I've seen, that's not always a thing. Um, I,
1: I don't know I would always rather hear the poem from the author, for better or worse. I think usually, well,
0: especially I think when it is about a topic yeah. that's so difficult, and that's both of these. Women write poetry about really tough topics, and so I, like I said, I listened to Joe, uh, Joy Harjo's "American Sunrise," and in it, she actually sings songs. Yes, which from, I didn't
1: realize. I, yeah, she sings them. Yeah, she
0: sings the songs in the audiobook, and it's so good. And like you said with Amanda Gorman, her performance of "The Hill We Climb" was almost as amazing as mm. the poem itself. Like she did so yes. good. So, both of the poet laureates are just amazing performers too which is a huge thing because it is i think we're going to talk about this it is an art form yes. and it is there's an artistry to not just writing it but performing it and they both do excellent excellent work
1: all right so let's talk about a few notable titles notable things that titles. things that have really hit us There yeah. like if you're if gonna if we're gonna narrow down a scope to like hey you should read these let's talk yeah. about those Do you want to take the first one
0: sure yeah so when we decided we were going to talk about poetry in our second episode, which why did our second episode, this should be like episode 21 or something. Yeah, you know? It's what I, March. It is, I you know it's March. It's yeah. national poetry, Month. but I like panic text my sister because she is a big poetry reader. And I was like, I need to be an amazing poetry reader mm-hmm. in two weeks. Help me. And so she gave me some really good suggestions. And I know that this is technically one of yours, but I'm going to talk about it real quick. But Actually, the poem of the deep song, the one that you let me borrow, that was the first one I read, and it was really, really good. But I'll let you talk about that one. But I actually um, read some Maggie Smiths. So she is a modern author. Um, I'm going to just grab Goodreads real quick. Um, She has another book. I talked about this in the last episode. Keep Moving, Notes on Lost, Creativity and Change, where she wrote like a little I don't want to say pep talk, but it was just like a little daily post in the wake of her divorce just to kind of get herself ready for the day. So I read that first. And then I went on to um, Good Bones, which is what she's really famous for. And I believe she just uh, published this online, but it's about motherhood. And it basically, she writes it Watching her own children trying to read the world like it's a book they just opened, and and knowing nothing of the characters or plot, so it's not hev- heavily about motherhood. I mean, I guess it, it is a lot about motherhood, but I'm not a mother, and I still enjoyed it. So that's definitely one I would suggest. It's a very short read. It's a great one to get started on if you're unsure about poetry. And then I also have from her, which I didn't put on here because I didn't finish it, but Goldenrod. Um, Which I've, I've heard of that. I think, yeah. I think
1: that one might be in my head. I think Amy might have that one. I haven't read that one.
0: Yeah, so it's, I really like how she writes both about, like, the beauty and the messiness of life. Um, and she's, I can definitely see, like, as a mom who is struggling or someone struggling with divorce, how she would be really appealing. But, like, she just writes about everyday life and it makes it very approachable. And it was a nice entryway into poetry. Considering some of the other stuff we have where we read together was, you know, about, like you said, like African-Americans on a reservation or or, I'm sorry, Native Americans on a reservation and African-Americans going through slavery and all these really tragic things. Maggie Smith writes more about the day to day grief that we experience. And it was excellent. Excellent. So that was my first one is Maggie Smith.
1: All right. So since you already mentioned it.
0: sorry,
1: No, that's fine. It just is a good (laughs) intro. I will bring up Federico Garcia Lorca who wrote a slew of works but Home of the Deep song I think is one of the more accessible and it's just a different to me it's a completely different kind of poetry because he's Spanish you get some of the if you if you have ever read Pablo Neruda who has you know he's he is the the romantic poet Garcia Lorca is much more of a like the romance is there the like fierce love and passions there, but there's like this dark, hot blood and guts feeling to it because mm-hmm. he was, his life it was rough. He was a mem- he was writing in Spain in the 1920s, which I discovered him because uh, when I was doing graduate studies in theater, we read some of his plays, which then I moved into reading some of his poems. His work has a very surrealist tinge to it. But it's so, I feel, especially Poem of the Deep Song is very tactile. You can feel and hear the images that are evoked through his words. Yeah. If you are interested in the the Andalusian Flamenco culture, that Spanish mountain bullfighting, robust sort of life of the 1920s, it's definitely one to look into. There's a film of... One of his plays called "Blood Wedding," um, that you can sometimes dig up, and it's, it's like you if you read his poems and then like watch this adaptation of one of his plays, it's like oh, of course, I see all of it now. Yeah. Um, because it's so rich.
0: Yeah, like I, I feel like reading really that, I could just like feel the yeah. heat. You yeah. know what I mean? And it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. like like sensual. That's not really the way, the right word. But it, it just had like a, like a heaviness yes. and a heat to it. Like and it, depth. Yes.
1: It's not. It. It doesn't burn. It smolders. Yes. And.
0: Like one of my favorite lines, and I immediately started researching and like looking up how other people interpreted this line, but the, I think he says something like heart gravely wounded by five swords, which he was referencing the guitar and and music. And it was Um, so good. I loved that.
1: And then if you, if you, you know, push into Mm -hmm. the context of his work, which is one of the things I sometimes have take issues with some poetry analysis, but if you where people go in and go, well, obviously he was talking about this. But if you go in, and you're like, what was he doing while he was writing this? That's where it becomes fascinating. Cause Garcia Lorca originally was in law school before he ran into all these surrealists in the 20s, became a poet, he came out as gay and was assassinated by the Spanish government
0: mm.
1: for leading a group of, you know, insurrect us homosexual artists. Like when he found out when he figured out who he was and found his passion, his life it was rough, and yeah. but you feel it in the poetry where you find these poems that are just, it's just these little, you know, paragraphs of beauty on a page. It was like, holy crap, he wrote that while he was dealing with a list of things. And because of it, it, it really speaks. And also, if you, like, parallel, like, what was being written, you know, in America versus what was being written in Spain and France, it's like, this guy... He was. He was like. You just like. Oh, I want to read more this yes, because it just it grabs you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, as much as I mean the for me it was the poetry as much as the person who wrote it. Yeah. which fascinates me. Um, is poem of the deep song, Garcia Lorca.
0: Um. So my other one, Wendell Berry, was suggested to me by lots of people. Have you read any Wendell I Berry? I have
1: not. Oh my! I goodness. know. I know. I have not. I. That's one <laughs> I those read some. As soon as you said Wendell Berry, I was like, ah crap, I was supposed to read that stuff like years ago. Whoops.
0: Yeah, I mean, and we're I think we're gonna talk about this in a little bit, how to read poetry as a noob versus sure. how to read poetry yeah. as well-established poetry reader. Um, but yeah, Wendell Berry, I feel like is one of the ones that is suggested really is suggested yep. often. So I read his um selected poetry from nineteen fifty-seven to nineteen ninety-six and I think one of the reasons why Wendell Berry was one of my favorites that I read is because I love Robert Frost. He's about the only poet I really knew a lot about before we started talking about this. And Robert Frost really talks about nature and land and community and traditions and culture. And I think Wendell Berry does that as well. And he's very much into like rural America. I think he's a Kentucky boy. Yeah. He's definitely about the environment and how it affects us and our peace and our power and and all that. So I liked that a lot. I think what's challenging for me with poetry is so often it's hard for me to slow down and get my brain to slow down. And I just think he he really he forced me to slow down and think about how nature affects us and how being on this planet affects us and finding peace in nature, um even in the craziness of life. So um one of my favorite poems by him was The Want of Peace. And it's basically like he's talking about how he, how he lacks the peace of simple things and how we're destroying the world around us to buy more destruction, basically. And it's really good. He, like I said, he just kind of focuses on on our place on this planet. And I liked that a lot. So I don't have nearly as much insight. into.
1: I know like <laughs> I, I like it so far because two of your three poets have been very much like, Small picture. Yes, because Maggie Smith was your. It was like the day to day life as a in mother. A yeah, piece of my day. This is in a little piece of my world. I like. Yeah. See, like you're flushing out your your whole stance my, on poet, on I, poetry. Like, it's great. yeah.
0: Apparently, I like more more small picture. Or you like bigger picture.
1: Yeah, I like more feeling based. Was there anything else on Wendell Berry?
0: No, okay. no, that's it. Cool. I like, like. I think we are yeah. we'll talk about it a little bit more, but. I approach, po- I approach poetry much differently than you do, so that's right. my, my thoughts on so,
1: him. So um, fortunately, with Langston Hughes, who is in my second spot, I mean, not that there's any breaking to this, but my second mention is Langston Hughes. His work is one that all you really need to do is find a collection of poems. You don't need to find a specific volume, because a lot of his stuff was published in periodicals, magazines, things like that and then you find compilations of work. Right. Langston Hughes was he was sort of the preeminent voice of the Harlem Jazz uh, Renaissance, Harlem Renaissance during the jazz era, I guess. And his work which was primarily sort of focused on equality, race has a musicality to it that grabs you and it holds on to you. One of the things that really got me fascinated by Langston Hughes is, and this is one of those things I heard, I listened to recordings of, his, of him reading his own work, and he does not have a voice for radio. Now, I would listen to Morgan Freeman read these poems. It would be amazing. But then, with that in mind, you listen to him, It's like, well, that's not the same. That's not what I was expecting. The timbre of his voice is so unremarkable, but you can feel how much he cares about the words he's written. That you then want to push more into it and understand as well what's going on. And, of course, he is probably most famous for What Happens to a Dream Deferred. Mm-hmm. Um, that is probably his big standout poem. But. my I I nice oh. book? <laughs> <laughs> there's a series. There's a series of them that I want to mention that you can usually find always together. So. If you look in his poetry collections, they're usually they're usually broken up into eras or themed sort of chunks. One of them that I really like is called Shadow of the Blues. They're they're not happy. They're not mm-hmm. happy poems, but they are engaging and you can feel them. And then After Hours is another chunk of his poems that really hit that jazz feel yeah. to me. And he traveled and he knew all the he knew all the big jazz greats. He knew Duke Ellington, he knew Count Basie. He knew these people Which coincidentally is also why, you know, March is also coincidentally jazz month. Um, So Langston Hughes, and a lot of his poems are shorter. Mm -hmm. His poems are lyrical, musical. There are poems that will come and just hit you in the gut. There are things that you'll read of his that make you go, I really would have thought we would have moved past some of this stuff by now, but we Mm -hmm. haven't. There's also stuff that you look at and you're like, okay, I, I understand. I sympathize, I empathize. Like you feel a kinship with some of his writing. Yeah. And I would just I recommend just find a collected works or selected works of Langston Hughes. Find something. It's all good. So Langston Hughes, back to you. I
0: need to you gave that one to me. I yeah. need to I need to read that one still. There's so much to read. Uh so then my last one, I did not finish this one, but it's one I own. Um it's the complete collected poems of Maya Angelou, which That's just like a classic, you know, we all know about Maya Angelou. And of course I know why the caged bird sings, which is one of my favorites and what um, I would say I, like I said, Robert Frost, I was reading poetry before I actually started reading poetry, you know? Um, So it's, she has such a, an interesting life and the racism and sexism that she has faced you know, just like as a as a white woman, it's really interesting to read poems about this. And like you said, they're not happy poems. They're they make you think and they make you process what some of these people have gone through and what they are continuing to go through in the state of our world. And yeah, I, I mean, she writes so wonderfully and I I have really liked all of the ones I've read by her. And uh she has some Full works as well, right? Some prose, my Angela. Yeah. 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 She's
1: a lot and a lot of these, a lot of these poets, like they'll, they'll swing into prose, maybe not like as like a structured fiction, but there's still that poetic element to it. But my, no, Angela, she's written so much. Yeah. Her, 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 her body of work is stirring and it's wonderful.
0: Yeah. She's very intelligent and, um, I think she makes the sexism and racism issue. Approachable? I don't know if that's the right word, but like it's sometimes it's such a staggering issue and an overwhelming makes issue. Makes it
1: accessible. It makes yeah. it yeah make, like those of us coming from our lily white backgrounds.
0: Yeah, privileged backgrounds understand
1: what it goes from being something unfathomable to something that's just like oh, I can't believe it. Yeah, it, it, but, but at the same time it's like oh it, that I it, yeah it yeah it, it and just, like you s- hits
0: yeah like you said it's it's not as much the like overarching huge thing you have to process she breaks it down into this like day to day this is what i face this is what i go through this mm-hmm. is what we all have to face and i don't know it's beautiful and heartfelt and obviously still i rise you know all of that it's yeah amazing and again she is an excellent performer like yeah. she performs her work so well i feel like
1: you can find like a wonderful man. I guess you call it, even call it a mentorship. You can find in Amanda Gorman's works. You can find yes. in Maya Angelou. Yeah, like absolutely. you can see because like you because that was one of the first things when I was watching The Hill Climb. I'm like, I feel like I've seen or read this before. In it, not in a bad way. Like, you know, oh, this is good. Oh, yeah. it's continuing. You know, yeah. And
0: I think you can definitely see some of these, like African American people of color poets, their work influencing rap artists. Yeah. Nowadays, and so. One of my favorite like Instagram sounds right now is, I don't know if you've heard it, but it's the, I think it's Still I Rise with Kanye West, a song behind it by Kanye West, I think. I'm not exactly sure the details, That's but it's I'm pretty sure that. it's Maya Angelou and Kanye West and it's really, it's, it's powerful.
1: If I'm going to listen to The Raps, I'm going to listen to Cobbin because Cobbin <laughs> is, he he is a philosophical <laughs> poet and it is yeah. awesome. And he starts saying things like, Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep talking. Kendrick Lamar the same way. Yeah. But Common has such a, like, soothing, moving way about him, um, especially in more recent things that he's been doing. He has a little rap poetry collective called August Green mm-hmm. with his session musicians, and it is, like, geared towards optimism and uplifting, and it's real good. Anything else on Mayangelo?
0: No. I mean, I wait, what more is there to I say know. that no one's already yeah, said? A, yeah. I, yeah. I just, you just have to experience it. Yeah, I mean, you really do. You have to yeah. read my Angelou, even if you're not a poetry reader. Yeah, you have to read Maya Angelou.
1: Um, so, swinging out of the richness of Garcia Lorca and the sort of the jazz depth and power of Langston Hughes, I have I have this self admitted, and it lives inside me, and I don't. I make space for it. There's this. There's my beatnik beat poet, which I <laughs> lived in San Francisco. I went to City Lightside, side, uh. and that's where Allen Ginsberg comes in. One of the Probably second only to Jack Kerouac in the voices of the Beat Generation, um, in the fifties, Allen Ginsberg wrote his his poetry is is much more. It's almost it's almost like a like a counterpoint. Langston Hughes Langston Hughes writes in these like these sort of fragmented jazzy sort of rhythms. Mm-hmm. Allen Ginsberg has this flowing style. the The big one is Howl. Yeah. We, you know, I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, and all that stuff. And it's long. Yeah. And a lot of his work is complicated. Mm. And he puts all his feelings into it. But instead of it being where you have like Langston Hughes, you have the, his plight, is, is what is he puts into his work with Garcia Lorca. It's his passion and love. Ginsburg, it's his own roiling internal storm that rages inside him because again he was very conflicted. He was a strictly raised person who who sort of discovered, you know, as a struggling artist that the world at the time was not friendly towards fringe poets, writers that believed in the freedom of the spirit, the freedom of the soul. But his work in like sort of the coincidental uh San Francisco artist movement at the time has such a cool voice that you can see like american mainstream culture at the time like you can see it actively fight against it and lose when you move into the 60s you can see it happen Like you can see these cultural shifts in that kind of work and that's real cool to watch again uh ginsburg is a good one for collected works city lights books which is still alive and well in san francisco they publish this very small square like quarto of Howell. And it's real cool. I have the it's just the Allen Ginsberg collected poems. And it's, it's big and hefty. Of course, read Howell. There's one I really like called Wichita Vortex Sutra, which is Ginsberg surveying the middle of America and just pouring his thoughts out for better or worse. Um, assumptions, impressions. And he was another one. Listen to him read his stuff. It's a guy <laughs> reading a poem, but you feel what's going on inside of him. And there have been a lot of interesting sort of representations of his work. There was a movie called Howl, which he got hauled before Congress to testify that Howl was not obscene. That mm-hmm. was a thing. Now, there's, there's this movie, and it's, it's James Franco plays Ginsburg which is <laughs> weird but if you can get past that the parts of Howl as he's writing them are animated and it's so cool and John Hamm is in it so it's okay. I mean
0: that, that helps um, if John Hamm's in that's it.
1: That's what things. like James Frick goes out in Ginsburg I'm like wow he, he really was like well that's he was the one he chose himself for that role I bet <laughs> um, but Ginsburg not for everyone but there, there are moments where you'll read it and you'll just reach in and just get a hold of you and I like it a lot for that reason and that's you know those are some
0: those are what, what we read for National yeah. Poetry Month or a few some, things that we
1: read. That's a good, that's a good. like, if you feel like wading in, wading yeah. into those.
0: Yeah, actually, I think that transitions well into our next topic about poetry, where yeah. it's like where to start. Sure. Which maybe we should have started with that versus what we were yeah. reading. But, you know, where to start and how to yeah. how to read poetry. And, yeah. you know, as I've mentioned, there I have so much to learn still. It's intimidating for me. Like, I just feel. Well,
1: it's, just, it's, it's, it's one of the, the coolest things about it is it's, it's, old, it's older than history. Yeah. Because yeah. it was what gave birth to recorded history. It's been around forever. And I'm not saying go check out the *Iliad* and the Odyssey or the Aeneid. Those are rough. They, I mean, they, if you're not ready. But like, if you want to get up in sort of the British, Britannic stuff, get into Beowulf. Tolkien mm-hmm. did a translation of Beowulf. Seamus Haney won some awards for one he did. It's real cool. And it's lean. And you can start seeing the oral tradition take place or be put into place that morphs into what is published today.
0: And there is, I don't want to say more approachable, but there are poems that are more approachable for people who just read fiction or, yeah. you know, there's our poet laureate before Joy Harjo was Tracy Smith and she wrote a collection called Life on Mars and it's sci-fi poetry. Yeah. And that's one I've been wanting to read. I wanted to read for this month, but I just didn't get around to it. But The description on Goodreads talks about David Bowie and interplanetary travel. And it's like, okay, I'm all for that. So there are options, like lighter topics to talk about. If that's the part that scares you is the heaviness of poetry. There are so many other options. Robert Frost is a great example, too, where he just talks about like walking through snow and how it sounds. If you want
1: to go read Lord Byron and read about She Walks in Beauty Like the Night, do it. It's fine. One of the things that when we were prepping for this and I was just trying to find putting some notes together, I just Googled poetry. Like I just typed in the word to see what popped up. And Britannica, which I kind of forgot was still out there, Britannica popped up this this definition. It was, for me, it was exactly what and why poetry is a thing for me. And the way Britannica words it is. Literature that evokes a concentrative, imaginative awareness of experience or a specific emotional response through language chosen and arranged for its meaning, sound, and rhythm. Mm. For me, poetry is not always the story. I'm not looking for the narrative. I am looking to look at a piece of art, a visual piece of art in which the medium and the, the medium that the artist uses are written words that they are putting down in an arrangement that is meaningful to them and worth it to them to share. The written word of the poem is the tool of construction. Yeah. That is why, for the longest time, my favorite poet was E.E. E. Cummings. Look at his stuff. It's weird. It's wild. But he, you know, he's Maggie and Millie and Molly and May went out to the zoo to fish one day, but he breaks his lines up. And, I mean, there's just, like, cascades of letters across the page. Yeah. And it's not something you're going to sit necessarily and recite. Some of it is. But you're looking at a visual art piece.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Words and letters are the brushstrokes. Yeah. And that's what makes it very important to me because it hits me in a different place than novels, short stories. Right. Which is, that's a whole different topic. Me and short stories don't always get along.
0: (laughs) But I mean, it's just, if, if you want to reference something that maybe more fiction readers would know, it's... The House of Leaves, uh, by Mark. Mm -hmm. Oh, his last name starts with Z. But House of Leaves, it's a it's a horror book and it's long, but it has this whole. You have to flip the book over. You have to turn it around. You have to. There's a physical. There's a physicality Mm -hmm. to the the reading, and I think that's like what you're referencing with poetry is there's a physical aspect to it and a visual aspect to it. It's and some poetry, I think that like you you can't listen to it necessarily. You need to see it.
1: Well, and I also, uh, that that comes down to the thing that. It, it's, it's the, when you look at analysis, I don't necessarily need somebody coming out and, and reading a poem that like Ginsburg wrote about exploring and understanding his own homosexuality. I don't need a, a recording of someone like getting overly into it and like shouting right. it at me. It's like, oh no, I understand the turmoil, but I would rather hear it from him. Right. Right. The context would be wonderful. To analyze the context of the situation, when and where and why and how he wrote it. But you can, you can find it yourself.
0: Right. Yeah. If you're uh, if this overwhelms you or you're intimidated to start, there is a really, really good podcast that I would suggest called The Slowdown Podcast. Have you heard about this, Robert?
1: I have heard. Uh, yes, I have. Okay. I, haven't, I haven't gotten into it, but I've, it's, I know of it.
0: description is the literary once a day multivitamin. So it's a, like a poem yeah. a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I didn't read a ton, or I didn't listen to a ton of it, but there's like 600 episodes or something like that. And so... But
1: they're short, yeah. They're short. Yeah. I mean,
0: they're, they're poems, so...
1: They're shorter than this episode. <laughs> well,
0: probably way shorter yeah. than this episode. At this point. Uh, but yeah, and that that's a great way to start if you don't even know where to start. That's a great one is the Slow Down Podcast. And then... You know, like I said, try to listen to it first. That may help you listen to an author you already know. Yeah. A lot of authors also have dabbled in poetry or...
1: Go find, go find some of Shel Silverstein's poems for adults. Yeah. Those are fun. Yeah. Especially because he does a lot of guitar and singing them, and they're fun too. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know. To an extent, jump back into some of the stuff you might have run into in high school or college.
0: Try it again. Yeah.
1: Like, there's a poet from the... Mid 1800s from England. His name is Matthew Arnold. And he wrote a poem called Lines Written in Kensington Garden, which he was sitting in Kensington Garden in London. And he just wrote about what was around him. Very Robert Frost, very yeah. Emerson, very Thoreau before those guys were around. And I remember when I first read it at school, when I was stressed out and trying to get a whole bunch of stuff done, it was like, oh, okay, cool. So he heard this. He said, fine, fine, fine. Then you go back and you read it when you can calm down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it all. And it all reaches you, and you yeah. can hear, see, smell, feel yeah. what's going on. Because it's very vivid. It is, it, is an, it is a 19th century literary style, so it is a little – you have to stop and kind of prepare yourself for it, but it works. Yeah. Uh, but it's usually – his other stuff's a little stiff, a little stodgy. Yeah. But he also has one called Dover Beach, which is really cool because he's standing on the cliffs of Dover and looking out <sighs> onto the ocean. That one's cool.
0: So. And I think that's just one of the reasons with poetry – is so challenging for me is like you said, you have to kind of slow down and prepare yourself for it. And sometimes you may only read a page where it's like, my reading yeah. goal is 150 pages a day. It's, like sometimes you just have to slow down and be okay with just reading a page or two.
1: Yeah. Or, and. Or go read some Edgar Allan Poe.
0: Yeah. I love You
1: can, you can grab some, you can find some really cool stuff. I mean, my, my, my favorite poem in the world is this little one-off poem that he wrote called El Dorado. And it's like 16 lines, maybe. Yeah. There's not much to it. Yeah. But and and I've and I've I've heard a lot of different analysis on what people think it means, which is real interesting. Because I have sort of my thought on it, mm. but you can get into it. And people know who Poe is, right? Like you can't. And and it's really it's pretty accessible. I mean,
0: yeah,
1: you don't have to quote the Raven never more. Like you can, if that one's like a oh okay fine, I understand. Yeah, there's so much more past it.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the suggestions that I had when I first started was start with an author you already know. And that's yeah. where my Angelou came in for me. So I already knew I liked her. I already knew how she wrote, how she spoke. So just try it. I mean, yeah. but also, I mean, this is our our tagline. Read what you love and love what you read. If you if you're not enjoying it, try something yeah. different. There is no right or wrong way to read poetry, I don't think. And it and it may be something that's not for you, but don't let one or two poems decide that for you.
1: I know, I know that um that my wife in particular really Got into Tennyson because of Anne of Green Gables, mm. with her on the, in the boat floating down the creek Heck reciting yeah. The Lady of Shalott, and it's hilarious. Heck yeah. Um, or even The Hobbyman, which is offered yeah. noise, which is a whole totally overdone, over. I mean, like, it's <laughs> like, okay, here we go again. But if you can sit down and like make a space for yourself, you can find that sure. story again.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, same with the Byrons, and I like the Rossetti's. Um, Dante and Christina Rossetti, they were painters that wrote poetry to each other and it's real cool. And that's, and the Browning's songs from the Portuguese, you can get into that real, the stuff that's free, easy to find. And there's some cool stuff there. And it's a good, it, it's, if you, if you, if it grabs you, you can start seeing poetry develop from it. But what was your next suggestion after finding an author you know?
0: I mean, I think that's really what really what I what I did what I mean I wanted to go to a poetry reading to prepare for this episode mm-hmm. but it's just really tough right now with how busy we are and the state of the world right now but um did you
1: find a novel in verse
0: I did not find a novel They're that hard. was that's really hard um, that was a suggestion find find a novel in verse and I did not find something
1: there is there is one that I own oh hang on I'm trying to find some info because I didn't bring it with me because I'm not prepared uh, journalist. During World War II, his name is Peter Bowman, wrote an, a novel in verse called Beach Red, in which he tries to capture one hour in the life of an American soldier attacking a, doing a beach assault in the Solomon Islands. And it is.
0: That sounds amazing.
1: Yeah, there is all kinds of stuff. Peter Bowman, you said? Yeah, it's okay. hard to find. I, I have one, so I can I can, I can, yeah, I can let you read it because I, a, I should
0: put it on our guides.
1: Yeah, it was one of those. I have an uncle who we always talk about movies, and then and he likes old books. And then one day he was like, "Hey, do you know about this?" <laughs> and then shortly after that, I got the copy delivered to me in the mail. <laughs> so yeah, that and that's really, I think, I, I don't think I've done too much novel in verse myself. I, I would like to find more, but it's a hard genre to approach. Yeah
0: yeah so those those are some of our thoughts on poetry yeah. uh we are working on getting you guys a full list there's or a, yeah we can, or,
1: there's a whole a bunch of people
0: yeah, a, a list yeah. on our goodreads. you'll yeah. see we have our goodreads shelves organized by episode, and so we've added several of the authors and poets that we talked yeah. about, but yeah, onto those shelves
1: poetry is I think it's one of the great things for libraries. Like, you can go to the library and find a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. If, you're, if you have a nice library, hang out there.
0: Well, and that's what my sister suggested when yeah. I was like, tell me where to start. She's like, just grab a collection. Yeah. Grab, like, an anthology and just start reading. And if you don't like it, move along. And I think we talked about that where I was like, hey, I'm trying to read T.S. Eliot and I hate it. And mm-hmm. you were like, stop. Why yeah, are like, you doing don't. this? Yeah, Yeah,
1: it's – T.S. Eliot's a big deal, but not to me.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, so. I love some of his plays. I really yeah. do, but <laughs> – yeah.
1: Yeah. I it, no, I understand. Um, yeah,
0: but I just I was like maybe ten poems in, and I was like, I can't, I can't, yeah. I can't do that Well, it.
1: that's it's like, um did you ever see the movie Bright Star about John Keats? We're been uh, watched all John Keats. No, I did not. I, it's so good, and it's so pretty. And we watched it, and I was like, this is awesome. I'm gonna read John Keats, and I start reading John Keats. I'm like, oh, that's why I don't read John Keats. <laughs> like, that's just not for me. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's there's there's so but there's some really cool stuff out there. If you if you want to get into something real interesting, if you like things that have a darkness to them, there are a lot of elements from weird like horror, mm. like psychological horror, like *The Lighthouse*, that you'll find in Coleridge, like *Rime of the Ancient Mariner*, that kind of stuff. The Coleridge Melville era, where nature. And the world and the inner workings of humans are coming out to just destroy them. That's cool. Um, The seagull, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, At the same time, if you're just trying to understand, like, get your mind around poetry, find something real simple. This is my natural segue because I wanted to save my poem. It's not mine, but it's my William Carlos Williams poem, (laughs) The Red Wheelbarrow, which (laughs) which which is simply so much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater beside the white chickens. Yeah, and it's like, a, and, and what's cool about it, this is one that came up when I was doing a lot of lit stuff in school. Take those eight lines, which is, which is actually, it's just 16 words. That's the poem. Do the old exercise, read it, and each time emphasize a different word or two words. Mm. And the meaning is going to change. Yeah. As you read it, as you work your way through it. What's important in this work? The wheelbarrow? The rainwater, you know, the fact that are you on a farm? What you know, the color, like it's a very simple. That's one of the things I like about Eldorado, the Pope poem that I love so much. It's real short, mm. and you can just sit there and for a few minutes think about it, and you got it. And you, you can it can be your own. Yeah, it's a good way to analyze without getting tired.
0: Dip your toes in.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: The water's fine.
1: Yeah, find those. <laughs> the penguin anthology of whichever century poetry like mm. there's the 20th one there's there's usually a yearly
0: yeah or
1: best new poetry of 2021 2022 there's a, there's fiction there's short fiction yeah there's all those anthologies and you you're going to find stuff that you're like why why is this in here but you might also find something that you hold on to for the rest of your life it
0: changes your yep. your life and your and your view on poetry yeah. so yeah. really all of
1: this just comes down to
0: just try it yeah
1: jump into some poetry and see what happens it's yeah. a, March is a good month for it.
0: Yeah, read something you wouldn't normally read. Yeah. Well, thanks for for chatting about poetry, Robert. Thanks for dealing with my noobness. Eh. (laughs) I appreciate all your thoughts. So awesome. Well, that's, that's what we think about poetry, guys.
1: Poetry. Yeah. I like it.
0: I am learning.
1: I am turning.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought that you would have a... one. I thought no, you had one.
0: I told you I'm learning. Okay. That's and I am it. turning. Okay.
1: okay. I am yearning for the burning. I am. Yeah, well, all right. <laughs> anyway, because yeah, poetry's just rhyming. That's yeah. that's just terrible. I feel like I mislead every time. Um before we talk about what's coming, yeah. let's talk about Patreon. Yes. because we we decided on a whim to just make this even more in-depth uh talk about our i mean so, you
0: know you worked with me now for like two years i'm a leslie no if we don't yeah. do anything halfway
1: yeah <laughs> i have this i do have this singing feeling is that night that we had that meeting i did i say i think i said hey you know it'd be fun and then you went it's this easy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. He said, "Hey, what if we did a podcast?" And the next day, I said, "Here's our website. Here's then, our marketing. Yeah. Here's our, <laughs> our... <laughs> yeah." And then
1: I and then I think this. Uh, so I was like, "Hey, mm-hmm. subscription box. <gasps> that would be so much fun."
0: Yeah. So, All right. So okay. talk
1: about talk about our our so, our top tier in Patreon.
0: Yeah. So we're on Patreon. We have five tiers. If you haven't seen it, uh, so it's the tiers increase in prices as you go. Um. So first tier is just like a hey thanks. We love you. You did good things.
1: We tolerate your talk. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: Tier two is a shout out on the episode and on our website. Uh, We couldn't do this without you guys. Tier three is going to be uh, a monthly bookmark, which we're going to make based off of our book of the month and or other things. Uh And then access to digital downloads, which will include our monthly bookmark in digital format, a recipe card for our uh, drink recipes that we've been posting and creating together, and everything below it. And then tier four is going to be access to our tipsy drinking tipsy. We're just going to have some video content in tier four that's going to include extended episodes, transcripts.
1: Ridiculousness.
0: Silliness. We're going to test our drinks and have some videos about it. Shenanigans. I also think we should do the one thing that you guys did in Warhammered where we did the fact and fiction. You guys got a little tipsy and red. Oh, f-
1: uh, f- Factor Fan Fiction? Yes. Yeah. You
0: guys read silly yeah. silly lines from books and yeah. like, what what is this legitimate romance novel? Yeah. Um, it was a little bit
1: different in, in the Warhammer world, but yeah, we could do that.
0: Yeah. So four will just be more content, shenanigans. We could
1: call it Harlequin or Charlatan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> amazing and
1: just it just take a some, note Chase. go get some 10 10 harlequin romance novels not that there's anything wrong if no, you like we're reading not those you,
0: we just are i get had
1: a, a i think i once heard that i had a relative somewhere that wrote a couple but anyway. they probably made money it's like chandler's mom yes <laughs> yeah yes. nora bing
0: and then our top tier is the one we're really excited about if you are reading along with our book of the month, uh, we are going to start announcing those several months in advance and have a subscription box that you can get. So we're working with a local company, Savoy Tico. Hopefully we're going to work with some other local companies. But for now, the subscription box includes a really cool bookmark that we've made custom to go with the book of the month, a recipe card that goes with the drink of the month that is inspired by the book of the month, <laughs> um, a candle inspired by the book of the month, a tin of loose-leaf tea, and then the book itself. So yeah. for we're not doing this for May because we want you guys to have time. we got to gotta
1: lay it all in. Yeah, we, yeah. It, it, There's a process.
0: But for June, we are going to read Mexican Gothic.
1: Also by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia.
0: <laughs> we're sponsored by. No, maybe one day. OMG, I love her. Okay, anyway.
1: I just, maybe.
0: Maybe she'll just know us.
1: Maybe we can talk to her. Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe I can. Listen. Madeline, Center. hey, you know what would be cool? As if we got to talk to Sylvia Marina oh Garcia. Tomorrow, you got it set up. Like, I can just see it happening. <laughs> I've reached out. Yeah. People
0: call my people. Yeah. Uh, no, so you'll get all those things. You'll see a really cool graphic. We'll post the graphic with the all the stuff you'll get in the subscription box. It'll be mailed to you in time for you to read the book of the month with us. So, it's open. The Patreon should be open now for that tier. And yeah. that'll be cut off mid-May. And we'll start shipping them out. So, you'll have them for June. And then, Will we'll in May, we'll announce the july one and so on and so forth
1: well and so, i guess and it, with the way patreon works if you just want to be a part of that if you want to do it ongoing you just sign you up just sign and up. it'll bill you yeah. as it as it goes yeah um, so that's
0: our our patreon you can find I, us i, I have
1: there. a suggestion i think our our first level tier the the just we love you tier uh-huh. i think it should say you guys sure are spirited oh yeah however moving on from <laughs> that join us uh next week on April 26th, we're going to introduce into our mini episodes a new segment called Madeline Goes to Hogwarts, in which Madeline, who is in the latter half of her 20s, has not yet read <laughs> the Harry Potter series or and seen them or know anything or s- about them. Correct. Except for. Yeah, don't worry I'm about it. Yeah, on this. yeah. So you've got that. <laughs> That's what I know, you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> you got that. Uh, but Melon is is starting to go through those for the first time. Yes. So uh, as she finishes a, a Harry Potter novel, we just have a little. We
0: fan girl over maybe maybe yeah. I fan girl over them. Maybe I'm gonna take you all down a notch. Like these suck. No, I'm just kidding. I don't plan on it. Yeah,
1: no, but yeah, we're gonna have like a little. A little that episode will be a little half hour talk about uh, the about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I almost said Chamber of Stones. <laughs> the sorcerer's <laughs> secret. Which could have been cool. Um, and then join us on May the third for our next full-length episode where we talk about reading for survival and reading whenever you when it gets you through the toughest time. Yep. Yeet. So <laughs> Yeet indeed.
0: Hey, poetry. Uh,
1: until until next week. Yeet. <laughs>
0: Keep reading.
1: <laughs> Eat <Yeet> those books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Amazing. This has been Spirited Reads. We thank you for joining us. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast.
1: Additionally, keep track of the podcast and join the conversation at spiritedreads.com by following us on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and by joining our Goodreads page by searching Spirited Reads Podcast at gmail.com.
0: If you'd like to support us, we're on Patreon. Keep reading and we'll be back in 2 weeks.